I am Colombian. And as a Latina, we are taught mixed messages. We are either seen as very sexy and fiery, or we are told to be ashamed of it and be modest and hide because good girls don't show off. But I grew up seeing women all around me, other Latinas who were very sexy, very sexual and loved to show it off. And they were shamed for it, even by my own mother. But it's okay because then I met Jay who taught me that sex and being sexy is super valuable. So today we're going to talk about a subject that a lot of people feel really weird about and don't understand. Even me, we're going to talk about why sexiness is valuable. In Eyes Wide Open, Volume 1, you wrote, Sexiness is an intangible quality, so it can be hard to spot the value of it. And some cultures, especially ours, try to paint sexiness as hardly valuable at all. Can you please explain why sexiness is valuable? Let's take the example of a car. Your car has a purpose, yeah? Yes. What's the purpose of the car? Um, to get us from point A to point B. Yeah, pretty much. The car's function is to get you from point A to point B. Yes. But, okay, does the car also have a form, a shape, yes. a material, yes, an appearance? Yes. Right. And that form can either be very aesthetically pleasing. It can be very appealing. It can be very sexy. It can be a sexy car. Yes. Or it can be very bland and unappealing and unsexy. Yes. This goes for most things. Most things have a form and a function. Making sense? Yes. Okay. And so if life, nature, the universe, whatever, gives everything a form and a function, do you think it's wise to suck at one of those things? Have a really shitty form or a really shitty function? No. Okay. So a certain level of appeal is basically necessary. We can. No one wants to buy an ugly car. Right. But it's not just that. No one wants to plant an ugly flower. Right. I mean, we do if we have to. Like... I hate Bird of Paradise. I would never plant that, but lots of people like it. Regardless, I'm just saying there's a substantial tendency to seek out appealing form yes. and not just focus on function. Yes. Nature understands this. Life understands this. That form and function are both very, very important. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now, are you familiar with the yin-yang symbol, the Tao symbol? Yes. So that timeless symbol has been around for thousands of years symbolizes the feminine and the masculine in everything. And it symbolizes the form and the function in everything. And when those two things collaborate, then you get true greatness. You get a very whole creation, a very holistic thing. Yeah, like it flows together, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Like an octopus has a function mm -hmm. and an octopus also has a form. And that form is the perfect form for that function. And so an octopus might not be considered sexy to most people, right. but it actually kind of is. And it's sexy to other octopi. Yes. This is what happens when something fulfills its form and function quite well. Okay. Mm -hmm. But most people in our society quickly become out of balance on this and they over accentuate function and under accentuate form. They, they make it out to be that function is super important. Mm -hmm. Efficiency, productivity, mm -hmm. intellect, the financially lucrative function of something is what most people care about. Who gives a about how it looks? Okay, I understand what you're saying. If you said you wanted to sit around all day and work on your form, do makeup, beauty, and so on, most people would give you pushback. Oh, yeah, because... That's not productive. Yeah, yes. So you can see that our modern day society very often leans hard on the function and dismisses or minimizes the importance of form. Yes. But here's the thing. Sexifying the form pretty much always turns into added value. If we go back to your car example, mm -hmm. way back in Henry Ford days, cars looked like a box on wheels. They were like some giant clunker thing. And you might get the odd person who appreciates the classics or something, but you wouldn't go out and buy one of those these days. No, they were really not my time at all. Yeah. Yeah. Most people want a sexier car. And the people who don't want one are usually just scared of it. They're scared it's too pricey, high maintenance, someone's going to steal it, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But they, they desire it, though. They look at it, they see it in their head and in their heart. There's a little frisson of like, mm, that is a nice car. That is a sexy car. So when you sexify the form of a car, it becomes more valuable. Ferrari, way back in the day when they debuted, they saw all the ghetto boxy cars and the Ferrari designer took inspiration from women's magazines, Cosmo and stuff, and saw all the flowing lines of fashion and the beautiful curves of the models and so on. And he was like, I'm going to use this inspiration for my car. 
my design. My design should be as beautiful as a woman, Italian dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised at all. So <laughs> stereotypes I'm playing They're off of. Super flirty. So yeah, I got you. I don't know, <laughs> but he happened to be an Italian designer, and this is what he did. And it created one of the most luxurious, prestigious, high status, high value cars on the market at the time mm -hmm. because he was willing to go sexier. And to this day, Ferrari is a pretty sexy brand. I mean, they've had some controversies and made some mistakes, but any car even like a Ferrari, a Porsche, a Lamborghini. Yeah, these are form and function. Yeah. And they saw the other cars that were just function. They, they didn't care about form. They just threw some slabs of metal on some round tires and it's like gets you from A to B, whatever. Or they were going for safety like Volvo. Like it's a tank. And I'm like, yeah, it looks like one too, right? What would you pay more for? A Ferrari or a Volvo? What do you want in your garage or in your driveway? I'd rather have a Ferrari. Which one makes you look better to your friends? A Ferrari. Which one is higher value? A Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same thing when you go to your closet. You open your closet. If there's a bunch of drab things to wear. Yeah, wear them. Yeah. And even if you do wear them, are people seeing you in a positive light? Are you getting extra drink spot for you? Are doors opening for you? Are people praising you? Are you getting beauty privilege? No. No, but if you dress up, slut it up a little bit, show off, <laughs> show some beauty. Yes. Then all those things happen. Yeah. Then you're seen as higher value. And there's always a few people who prioritize something different. Like, oh, I prefer to be modest and not be disturbed. And I prefer my privacy. So I like to dress more modestly and dress down and so on. Like, fine. Okay. So sexy is not that value to you. But this is a small percent of the population. Most people want to be that sexy version. Most people want that sexy car. Most people want that sexy wardrobe, at least to a certain degree. And so deep down, everyone kind of knows that sexy is not valuable. You, you know it. You just know it. Why Why the iPhone over another phone? Because it's sexier. It's sexier. And you pay like four times as much. Yes, it's true. It's financially worth more to everyone. If you found a, an old phone on a street or an iPhone on the street, you have a totally different reaction. One of them, you're like, oh my God, I just got rich. This is gold. I have the most <laughs> valuable phone on the planet. And you're like, I don't know. Okay. A free phone. Pretty cool. Yay. Maybe I should return it to people. Right. Well, this is why in the intro, I talked about some sexy women that I grew up knowing. Well, my mom didn't like them. My my mother was friends with them. They all hung out together, but they were super sexy and I gravitated towards wanting to be like them. Yeah, even kids know. Yeah, yeah. I want to be around the sexy aunt. Yeah. And I loved when my mom would dress up uh and and like kind of go with that flow with them. But it wasn't very often. And when she wasn't, when she was like the boring uh Volvo, I dismissed it and I didn't want to look like her be like her but i did her friends so yeah that that makes a lot of sense yeah this is the balance form and function, form and function. it's worth putting time and energy and investment into both and there's no point being scared of either even haters know the value of sexiness even haters are like yeah i guess we we have to use it or yeah i, I get it sex sells it's like okay okay you so you're there hating but you get it you get it. This is a law of nature. This is life on earth. This is humanity. Like well-crafted forms, appealing forms add a ton of value. And if you're watching this video, is a very high chance that sexiness worked on you because we create headlines and video titles on YouTube to be as sexy as possible, as, as titillating as possible, as arousing as possible to the senses. Mm -hmm. Sexiness is just something that arouses the senses. Usually it's something that arouses the senses in a lustful way or a desirous way. But really, anything can be sexy. A car can be sexy. It doesn't mean people want to have sex with the car. It just means like, damn, that turns me on. Like, it revs me up. It, you know, gets my engine going. Like, that. that's that's my kind of car. Like, I'm all about that, right? Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. Thank you. It's the same thing. You see a, a YouTube headline, a video, I could show you 10 titles and you'd be like, yo, that's the sexiest. Yeah. Or you'd see a boring one, you'd be like, yo, man, jazz that up a little bit. Sexify it, you, you know, turn it up. What is this? No one's going to click on that. And every YouTuber knows it. And YouTube itself knows it. And you can blame the algorithm all you want. That algorithm is driven by human behavior. It is driven by consumers. Every single person clicks the sexier title. That's why everyone does it. It's not rocket science. This isn't some magic secret agenda of YouTube out to get you. They're not trying to turn the world into clickbait. It's, it's their scheme. They're just like, man, people click on this stuff. So we'll boost that in the algorithm and YouTube creators know it works and everyone knows it works. And every consumer who complains about it is still clicking on them. Show me someone who clicks bland YouTube titles every day in their feed. 
I guarantee you, you won't even find one person. None of us do. Right. We need a sexy title to get our attention. Exactly. Yeah. Something that arouses the senses. A form, a form that arouses the senses. And this is it. If you can arouse someone's senses, you get their attention. And once you have their attention, you can do a whole lot of stuff. That, that attention, that hook is key. And you don't get that with some like steaming turd on a plate or whatever. Actually, that might get attention, but you get my point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would get the wrong kind of attention. Well, it and people will would depend. Run terror. If you're, you're giving, you're offering a girl on a plate, a hot girl in a bikini or steaming turd on a plate. Nobody wants that. They want the hot girl on the plate. I'm saying it's, it's a gimme and it's hardwired in our DNA. Like, like if we call this podcast an intellectual dissertation on the value of sense arousal. Already fell asleep. Yeah. No one's clicking. Seriously. (laughs) They're not. Yeah, it's true. If we call it juicy, seductive confessions on the power of sexiness. I click on that. Yeah, because it's full of sexy words. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Yeah. Now, I'm not trying to turn everything everyone makes into some scandalous Playboy photo. There are levels of sexiness and you can go overboard or there can be things that are poorly timed for a certain setting or environment. Mm -hmm. But no one's even close to that line. It's not like, oh, my God, we're living in a Playboy utopia on every everywhere I go. <laughs> no one's even close. We're, we're way more repressed than we are expressive about this. Agreed. So that's not a thing. Like, that's not what we have to worry about. When people bring that up, I'm like, y'all know we repressed enough, right? Like, you're missing out on the value of form, on the value of sexiness, on the value of attention. You are way too focused on function and efficiency and productivity. And you need to give way more attention to aesthetics and form. Like, we're way out of balance, okay? So if we ever get to that, like, crazy playboy land then you can start getting bent out of shape about it yeah when life becomes one giant archie yeah okay fine (laughs) then we can pull it back but i don't that's really not the issue with society agreed it might be the issue with some small neighborhoods in la that's that's it like no one else has to worry as a final personal example our podcast we've grown pretty well in the last five months since it started but let's be honest i'm not the pinnacle of sexy if i looked more like brad pitt or george clooney people would be sharing this episode they'd put me on mute and still be sharing this episode (laughs) just to show their girlfriends and stuff and that's fine i can work on it i can turn up the sexy If we had a sexier studio, more polish, more whatever, better audio, people would be like, damn, that's that's that is a sexy sounding voice. I can listen to this as ASMR. But, you know, do I have an ASMR voice? Do you? Can we can we practice it? Refining or polishing any of these aspects of the form of our podcast adds value and gets more attention and gets more shares. Like I cherish every subscriber we have and I'm so grateful and I want to hug every single one of them. But I bet anything we get more shares with a sexier, more polished form. Sure. If I was at my goal weight and I was more confident and and I was showing off more because of that, we would still we would get more more of that as well. So, yeah, makes sense. And you get more haters too, more controversy, more buzz, more journalists would be like, these guys are saying positive things, but why does she have to show off her boobs so much? (laughs) Like they'd get all all pissy about it. People would be jealous and stuff, but that's more value too. That's more buzz too. You can either be ignored or you can be talked about. Which one's more value? Oh, I'd much rather be talked about. So would everyone. Anyone who's building any project? Yes prefers buzz over being ignored. So you're saying that anyone who's building an audience or building has a project and they want more people or writing a book or for example, they could inject more sexiness and it doesn't have to be lewd. Like our friend Isaac is about to launch his book. He doesn't have to put a naked woman on the cover to sell this book. No, but I worked with Isaac on his copy and we sexified the copy and he loved it. And he was like, you're right. This arouses the senses. This moves the emotions. This gets people more. It gets them. And I saw a lot of the copy that you helped him with and you definitely did sexify it up. And so I just want to like really point that out for everyone, you know, because a lot of times people hear sexy because I've talked about this with clients in the past and they always assume it means like, (laughs) you know and 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 
it's not about that. It's but it, it is like it can be. It can it, be. Sexy is just about form. Sexy is polishing the form. If you refine the form of anything, you are sexifying that thing. If you give me a car, I'll go refine the form and polish it and I'll give it back to you sexier. If you give me a business card, I'll load it up in Photoshop, scan it or something. And I'll refine the form and I'll give it back to you and it'll be sexier. You will be like that. Mm, I'm salivating at this card. If you give me a person, I will go through their wardrobe and we will sexify that shit and they will look mint. And I'm not just going to force them all to be scandalous. I'm going to work with what suits them and what what's comfortable. Yeah, but we're going to look to broaden some horizons. We're going to look to push a little bit. We're going to look to sexify it. Because everyone has room to polish and refine their form, and most of our society doesn't even bother. Okay, good. Because I'm I'm really glad that we define that here for those watching. I already know what you mean by sexy, because we've talked about this many times. This is one of the first things that I want you helped me with was to sexify my life, to sexify everything. Yeah, and I didn't make you like be a stripper or a male star or show everything to everyone. No, no. Let's just like be a little more low cut. Use the assets God gave you. Yeah. The world will thank you. You'll get more value. Everyone will win. It'll be fine. Uh, the first challenge you ever gave me was to take a selfie every day and post it. And we're not when we were on Instagram. And... You never said wear makeup, show your cleavage. You never said it. it. That was the challenge. Post a selfie. And then as I started posting them, I noticed your own form. I did. I noticed hmm, that would look nicer if I had some cloth. Hmm, that would look nicer if I unbuttoned it just once. And it was just little by little. And, and as my confidence grew, then I turned that stuff up. But there was never that like, oh, you have to do this or do it this way. Or It was just like you said, you, you helped me improve my form. Uh, and not just with my appearance, but, uh, but my writing and my posting and my captions and my comments and my attitude and my beliefs and blah, 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 like over and over. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. If you want to win at life, you should polish the function and the form. And polishing the form means arousing people's senses. It means getting them jazzed up. It means getting them psyched, excited. It's the juices flowing. You know when they're angry, that does it too. <laughs> Yeah, but oftentimes it can mean just be sexier, literally sexier, like in the lewd sense. Yeah. But you're right. It doesn't always mean that. Well, Rization, what do you have in your life that you can sexify? Your wardrobe, your life, your car, your attitude, your voice, a project you're working on, what I'd love to know. Please share in the comments and so we can talk about it. And if you want to know how you can sexify it up, go ahead and ask Jay in the comments and he'll be happy to sexify it for you because he's so good at that. He could rise anyone and anything. <laughs> so to this day, I'm kind of confused about the whole Madonna complex. And I was wondering, what can women do about this today? Oh, that's like telling a guy, I want you to be Boldly confident, but also humble and gentle. Those sound like two opposite things. Right. Boldly confident, but also gentle and humble. I want you to be rough and dominant, but also a perfect gentleman. What? Yeah. So so I get it because you hear Madonna her old and see it as two opposites that can't possibly be satisfied. Well, Madonna's pure and innocent. And the whores are all Yeah. And <laughs> I could be rough and dominant, aggressive AF, or I can be a gentle soul, a humble, perfect gentleman. That's what I'm saying. They sound like opposites. This is why people go haywire. They can't process it, right? Right. But it's not just on chicks. Like, y'all do that to us too. Yes. Yes. So, so why does this happen? What does this mean? How do we deal with this? Like, it's a really good question, and I'm glad you brought it up. Thanks. But the answer is so simple. It's cliche and it's trite and I'm going to have to explain it afterwards, but it is simple. Okay. You just follow your heart. You don't need to worry about how do I do this and what do I do and opposite that and how can I be this and you just be your unique individual self. 
You be however you want to be. Some people want to show off and slut it up all day long. They want to push boundaries and scare everyone. Some people want to be ultra modest or covered head to toe at all times so that no one ever knows or sees except for one person or no people. Some people like to do both at different phases of life or different times of the day or in different environments or in different settings. That's all good. There's 8 billion people on the planet. You do you. It's all good. You will find someone that matches you. You don't have to fulfill some Madonna or complex or clashing of opposites or whatever. For me, I like fulfilling both. I like having the power and freedom and creativity and expressiveness to be dominant and rough when I want to be and to be gentle and humble and polite when I want to be. I think that's awesome. I'm happy to do both. Yeah, I think if you are always rough and dominant all the time, this would not be nice. It would, it would be weird if you couldn't tap into that other side of yourself. So it makes sense. Right. But I'm ambitious. Like, I'm, I want to do both. I want to pull it off. I want to, like, nail both aspects of life. And so if I was born again as a woman, I'd be equally ambitious. I'd want to be, like, the lady in the streets and the freak in the sheets or whatever. <laughs> right? I'd want to nail that yes. balance because I think that's awesome. I think someone who can do that rocks. So... That's what I'd aim for personally, but not everyone's like that and not everyone's like me. You got to find your zone, right? But the point is nearly everyone is is holding back and, and withdrawing their sexiness from the world. Nearly everyone is so far from their line or their boundaries of what they could be or what they could do. It's ridiculous. They would get so much amazing results if they just polished their form a little bit and cared about sexiness a little bit. If they just threw on a tiny hint of makeup or tried a slightly different cut of clothing, there are image consultants that do this. If the image consultant came in and gave you some tips and you tried them, you'd be like, why didn't I do this before? This is most people. <laughs> this is how I felt actually when we met and I started wearing makeup again. Because I've spent times in my life before we met where I wore no makeup and I wore t-shirts and baggy clothes. And you shaved your head. I've shaved my head several times. I've looked super masculine. I wore Doc Martens. I've also spent a lot of time wearing only dresses. I had went through a period where I would only wear dresses and, and pants were off limits for me. So when we met and I was in that stage of covering up and wearing hats all the time and like ball caps all the time and not feeling or looking very feminine by working on one part of my form made me expand to the other to other things so yeah that's that's pretty cool and like i know there's going to be someone saying well i hate makeup it has nothing to do with makeup and has nothing to do with with that it doesn't have to and there's tons of channels on youtube dedicated to women teaching other women how to be more feminine and how to look softer and there's also those that are teaching the opposite and for men too, teaching them how to be more masculine. So I think there's a lot of people, like you said, we are not, we're holding back a lot of that, a lot of that beautiful, wonderful sexiness inside of us. And the cool thing is, and I don't know if this is true or not, but maybe it's just my experience, that the more I do it, the more I want to do it. Yeah. And some people are afraid of that. They think it's like a gateway drug. And if they if they show off a tiny bit of skin, they're going to suddenly become a porn star overnight. That's the complex. They think they have to be one or the other. Yeah, it might be the Madonna complex. But regardless, it's silly and insane. That's like saying if I wear red once, I'm going to have to wear red every time for the rest of my life. Or if I be dominant one night, I'm going to have to be dominant in all situations and all environments forever. It makes no sense experiment push your boundaries a little see what happens see how it feels if you get a ton of value out of it a ton of attention it helps your life blossom great try it again next time until you hit a point where it's too much it's like the only people who really have any reason to be afraid which you know if you watch our fears episode the other week <laughs> there's zero reason to be afraid but the only people who might are the people who are already way extreme in the sexy direction. Your influencers, your models, your strippers, your girl stars, they might want to start thinking about pulling back a little bit. They might need to experiment in the opposite direction. But again, this video isn't for them and they're a rare few on the planet. It's funny that you mentioned that because this morning I got a message from one of our clients who is having trouble with Instagram because she's showing off a lot, 
But I looked at the things they're not happy with. And she's not really. But for Instagram, she is. And so I had to say to her, you might want to pull it back. Look at your hashtags. Pull those back a little bit. Maybe not mention OnlyFans so much. And, I, you know, and she said, is that why your other account got taken away? I said, no, because I don't wear bikinis or show my butt crack. Not that, like, there's no judgment, but that's not why. I had to pull back my hashtags for them. But the point is, it's just interesting that you said that because I just had this conversation and you're right because some people need to pull back a little bit. But I think, again, the majority of people just hold back way too much. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not wearing stripper heels in church, you probably don't need to work. Great, great. Like you're probably sitting on valuable sexiness that you're not using. And if the headlines for your project aren't getting you thinking about bans or possible censorship, you're probably fine. Like you have a lot of room to grow. If you're not actively losing thousands and thousands of people for your flagrant sexuality, you're you're fine, really. It's okay to piss off a few prudes. Like this is not what it's about. Sexiness is value and it's attention and it's waiting for you and you're sleeping on it. And you can play scared and play small or you can leverage it, period. Anyway, the main answer to your question is everyone should be as sexy or as bland as they want, as they feel in their heart, as long as any input or feedback or influence or pressure from society comes second. You should never be thinking about that stuff until you've gone and meditated, thought it through, got clear in your head and your heart about how you want to express yourself in the world. Like really tune in. Most people aren't going to do this. I know. I know the people watching this video, like I want them to, and I'm pray, and I think our audience will, like our loyal subscribers. But a lot of the passerbys who just see this, they're gonna be like, oh, Sam's great. I'll be as sexy as I want or as bland as I want. But the chances of them actually doing the work and practicing and taking the introspection time and the isolation time to figure out what that is for them is pretty slim. But I hope they prove me wrong. Um, well, I think a lot of people, and I could be wrong, hold this back out of fear of judgment. What other people will think? I don't want to be called a slut. I don't want to be called a show off. I don't want people to say I try too hard. Yeah, I don't want people calling me a corrupt asshole billionaire, but that doesn't stop me from wanting to be as rich as Elon Musk. Fair play. Like, I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to be ambitious and I'm going to reach the world and I'm going to ho- hopefully become quite abundant and prosperous as I as I do that. And if I lose friends or people judge me on the way, so be it. I lost friends in the beginning when I started posting the selfies. I don't know if you remember, but I had someone actually ask me in the comments, why are you doing this? Why are you showing this off? And I, I said, because I want to. Cause I want to, and they stopped following me. And that was, that was just the beginning. Like she was the only one that had the balls to ask me why. And so I got a lot of judgmental messages and even, and then I wasn't even, wasn't even as, as, as bad as I would be later on. Sure. But did any of those people subscribe to your podcast? No. no you see what I'm saying? No. Like these are people who aren't even supporting you anyways. Yeah, like, exactly. You'll lose one subscriber and 50 haters. 50 unsupportive, judgy haters. Good. They'll make room for the ones who want to be here and who are open to this and, and who and who want to figure out ways to sexify their life some more. So yeah, yay. Yeah, that's what happens anytime you turn up your value, especially if you turn up your sexiness. Yeah. Great. So we work with a lot of OnlyFans girls, helping them grow their business. And there's some beautiful and lovely people they get a lot of shame for what they do. So if so many people are against them and hate them, why do so many cam girls and girl stars make more money than people in finance? That's a great question. And it goes back to our money episode. So do you remember, how does money flow? Money is a side effect of value. value. Exactly. So think about it. At a blisteringly hot music fest type concert, how much have you paid for water? <laughs> Up to $10 before. Yeah, most people have. Anyone who's been to one of those concerts has paid four, five, six, ten dollars $10 for water. Yeah. It's the same water you get anywhere. Sometimes it's worse. Yes. yes. But how valuable is water in that moment, in that heat with no other water around, surrounded by people? That's why I paid the $10. And substances. <laughs> yeah, it's valuable. And since it's valuable to you, you will pay it. And you'll actually be happy you paid it. Like you'll choose to do it. 
you might make a big stink about it afterwards when your thirst is quenched. But in that moment, you're like, this is heaven. I'm so grateful for this water. So you can try and give some retroactive spin on it, how you, you hated doing it or whatever. It's like, no, no, you didn't. You were dying of thirst and it was divine. It was heaven for you. You didn't hate anything. You loved it. And that's why you spent it. That's why everybody spent it. Because they saw the value. And they're going to end up, you know, live until 80 or 90 or whatever, go to their graves. They're not going to blink or think about this bottle of water that they paid $10 for. It was valuable in the moment. They exchanged the funds. They moved on. So imagine a society that's in a sexual desert, a society that's in a sexiness desert where most guys, the closest they get to a woman or a sexy woman is anime. Imagine a society where most women are happy to make money on their own, live on their own, do their own thing, not have kids, not seek out men for anything, and definitely not try to show off or seduce them. Okay. Imagine a sexiness desert. How much would someone pay for even a hint of sexiness in their life? They will pay a lot. They'll pay a lot. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. And a guy will pay $10 for a single message from a girl, mm-hmm. from a sexy girl. A guy will pay thousands of dollars for a single video of a sexy girl. That's true. The value's there. Someone wants to make money, tap into that that value, tap into that desert, tap into that marketing. The water sellers get it. They have no problem charging 10 bucks for, for water at, at, a, at a desert. And if you don't like it, stop contributing to the sexual desert. Stop contributing to the sexiness desert. There's a reason people feel like they have to pay so much to get this. is because an interaction with a sexy woman basically doesn't exist for most guys. They're all simps and cucks and whatever. And they there's it's not it's not out there. And even if they were ballers, like look around, like how many women are, are dressing up and showing off? How many are available to these guys? I don't even go very far with my dressing, my makeup. And I get a lot of dirty looks from women who are covered up and or where to wear my jumper that that says boobs <laughs> that you made me. Uh, I, I get a lot of dirty looks for that too. And that's nothing. That's nothing. And But they're contributing to the sexual desert, the sexiness desert, which is why their man is probably buying uh, subscriptions to OnlyFans girls. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Money flows as a side effect of value. Yeah. And what is valuable in a society of repressed fruits? sexiness yeah everyone's secretly hungry for it and hardwired for it in their dna and everyone's wanting a more pleasing form right yes you know in a land of function 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 what is the missing need in the market what is the gap in the market that everyone would gladly pay for the form yeah and at a concert of heat 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 and substances 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 what is the missing ingredient what is the gap in the market that people will gladly pay water exactly so I hope that answers your question. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so how are you contributing to the sexiness desert? Because <laughs> I know that I could definitely turn it up. Yesterday, I got home and I was going somewhere. And you went you went to the bathroom and I changed and you got back. And you were like, ooh, because I put on a dress and I said, I just want to feel like a girl. Yeah, in my dick. <laughs> I just want to feel pretty. And because I had spent two days not feeling very, very pretty at all. So, yeah. So to me, I helped the sexiness desert by dressing up a little bit and feeling better about myself when I went out. So maybe think about that the next time you want to go out in a messy bun and leggings and an oversized T-shirt. Yeah. And you make a good point because, like I said, with the yin yang, the feminine force is mainly concerned with form, focused on form. They're great at expressing appealing forms. Mm -hmm. This is a a very feminine thing. Always has been, always will be. It's part of nature. You can go back to our our other episode about polarities to learn more about this. But the masculine side of things has always been about function. And together, they create great most masculine-leaning souls are quite good at building things, building projects, building businesses, building houses, building anything, making tools, functional things. They might not look great. They might not be the most beautiful thing on the planet, but they work. And the masculine soul will keep passionately investing themselves in it until it works, until they make it work. And it's impressive. And it's awesome. Masculine-leaning souls built the majority of things that exist. Yes. But Feminine leaning souls will pretty it up. They'll beautify it. They'll nurture it. They'll add some sensuality to it. They'll arouse people's senses. They'll get you out of the concrete jungle. They'll get you out of the daily grind. They'll pull you back into life and get you living. This is a very feminine focused trait. And 
in a healthy society, most feminine leaning souls would be investing large amounts of their time and energy into beautifying, into beautification, into decor, into nesting, into nurturing, into these traits of life, which are wonderfully amazing traits. They are valuable traits. They deserve to be well compensated for those traits. But in an unhealthy society, this will be unbalanced and they won't be paying attention to it. And they'll be like, oh, that's not worth money. And I'll go do more masculine things and so on. Whatever, like everyone has to find their own place and do their own thing. But I'm just saying nature gave feminine leading souls a certain strength, a very powerful, very valuable strength. In fact, we just talked about how valuable it can be. Yes. And nature gave masculine leading souls their strength, which is more function focused and efficiency focused and building focused. And that's a that's a wonderfully valuable strength as well. And I think people would be absolutely amazed if they started leaning on their strengths more. Just admit it. Yes, I'm kind of a feminine leaning soul. I can feel it in my heart. I've been called to it. It's calling me and I keep resisting it. You know what? I'm going to give in. I'm going to invest my time in this. I'm going to sexify things. I'm going to add a little more sexiness to my life. I'm going to focus on these feminine strengths and I'm going to make time for them in my day. And masculine leaning folks could focus on building something great and stop worrying about looks and worrying about image and worrying about all this stuff you can take care of that later but go build your shit like create something great yeah people would be blown away at the amazing results they'll get in their life by leveraging their strengths i agree yeah i didn't mean to distract from your question because it was a good question rise nation what are you doing to either contribute to the sexiness desert or to soothe the sexiness desert so it's like we said before, that sexiness isn't just about sex. We do know that sex sells. So why do so many companies stay so far away from anything that even hints at being sexy? Oh, great question. Again, they could just refer to the fear episode last week because it really just comes down to that. I mean, there are a few companies, I imagine, who are staying away from that stuff for good reasons. It's part of their founder's values and they are on earth to be a modest type of person or something. And so they run a modest company. Sure. But as with previous examples, these are so rare that it's actually someone like that. Maybe Chick-fil-A is a good example of that. But seriously, this is not the issue with most companies. Most of them are just afraid. They're afraid of turning up sexiness. They're so focused on function and profit and efficiency, but they forget the value that lies in aesthetic form. They think it's a waste of time to invest in or it will hurt their numbers or something. A lot of times companies start off kind of bold. They're making bold decisions. They're happy to piss people off. They're happy to do their own thing and go their own way no matter what society says. And then they find their niche and they find their fans. And people are like, wow, everyone was too scared to do this, but you guys as a company did this. That's why we joined. And then they lose their way and they forget their roots and they stop becoming bold, especially when they start tracking data and clicks and numbers and they focus on quarterly reports and pleasing the shareholders. And all of a sudden, that's all they care about. And that's their whole focus. And they think if they ever lose any significant chunk of people that the world's ending and they need to backpedal and backtrack and go the other way, they don't commit to bold decisions most of the time. They are afraid. Most of these companies are run by human beings, CEOs who are afraid AF. These guys just live in fear. They built, finally built something big and they, they don't want to lose it. And now that there's so much on the line and there's so much to lose. But when they were small, they didn't have so much to lose and they were happy to gamble it all. They lost that, that gambling spirit, that bold risk-taking spirit. And you can watch it. You can watch the companies stagnate and slowly die. Yeah. You look at YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, when they all got started, they were leading edge change makers. They were like changing the game. They were they were impressing governments and stuff. They were making moves. They were like starting buzz and controversy everywhere. But as they grew, they started to realize they need to please advertisers. They're so hungry for advertisers. They're so eager for advertisers. The advertisers are what keep their company alive. Everything I built, if I screw with the advertisers too much. And I'll lose my bonus and my profit too. I won't have that private plane or that next big thing I want to get. I won't have the lifestyle I want. I won't impress the woman I love, whatever. And they're afraid now of advertisers, of losing advertisers. But if you look at a company like Playboy, Playboy doesn't give up. They're not chasing those advertisers. They don't care about those, those prude advertisers that YouTube and Instagram are chasing. It's not their demographic. They don't care about it and they're not afraid of losing it. And so since they're not afraid of losing these prudish advertisers, 
They can make any decision they want, show off whatever they want. They don't have to censor anything. They can be as sexy as they want. Now, this might stop them from growing as big as Facebook, but since they're not so obsessed with growth and constantly chasing profits and all that stuff, they're not compromising their values every two seconds. They're not making decisions out of fear every two seconds. In fact, I think the son took over for a while and he was afraid. He wanted to chase profits and he thought Playboy could grow bigger if they started playing Facebook's game, going for advertisers. So if Playboy went non-nude for a while, playing the exact same game as Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, they were trying to get the advertisers, chase the advertisers. I'm glad they reversed that. Me too. Because then the world would have even less sexiness than it it already has. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Like it would get to the point where I'm not allowed to see boobs anywhere. Like I literally, it would just be a giant concrete jungle of efficiency, profit, and advertisers. We would censor everything. Right. Like we're close to there. <laughs> well, Instagram is headed that way that my that our client was talking about. That was Instagram. They like deleted 25 of her videos today because they are not it's, having it. She showed some skin. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. My point is you can see when a company is afraid Mm-hmm. And you can see when a company is bold and confident and daring. And you can see which companies are desperate to reach the largest possible audience and take over the world. So they will gladly stop all sexiness and censor every word that you utter, all in the name of the almighty dollar and growth. And you can see the companies who are more niche and they're like, we're just going to do our thing and we're not obsessed with growth and world domination and we're, we're just happy to contribute something to the world. The world needs a little sexiness, so Playboy is going to be that. And you can see what happens when they try to go a different direction, when they try to go the fear-based direction and court the advertisers. Yeah, that usually doesn't work out for them. Yeah. So, and and you can see that in in other instances with like Bud Light right now and and other companies. Yeah, that's basically it. Most of those companies are making decisions out of fear. And I would gladly, happily sit across the table from any of those CEOs and have them convince me otherwise. No, let's talk it out, man. I'm, I'm open. I can listen. If you got a better reason, if a real reason, if it's not for profit, it's not for shareholders, it's not for fear, it's not for your desperate, like obsessive world domination. And instead of just trying to create a better world and a better life, show me. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't sit down and have this discussion with me because I'd destroy them. So uh, Rise Nation, if one of your favorite brands, if they started to sexify themselves up, would you leave or would you remain brand loyal or would it? make you to be even more loyal and share them and and show off your favorite brand being more sexy. I'd love to know. And not just lewd, if they just have sexier headlines or something. Yeah, yeah. Some people and companies are more comfortable with violence, explosions, and death. And they're happy to express that in their materials, their news feeds, their everything, than they are with physical beauty, human connection, sensuality, sexuality, etc. And that's fine. Like it's a diverse world. I'm glad people have their thing. But I believe marketing is like lingerie. And if you're not turning yours up to seduce your customers in whatever way works, you're doing them a disservice. And I also believe if you're too scared to show off a bit of bra strap as a company, you deserve to lose your profits and slowly die. I Totally agree with all that. Thank you. I, I like the line that you said that marketing is like lingerie because it's true. It's very true. The best marketing is getting your attention and it's sexy and it's in your face. And man, if you think about the things you buy and the things that get you and the things you share, that's marketing that's sexy. It's a sexy bra or sexy lingerie set or whatever. Every movie trailer does this. Yeah. They show a little bit of the, you know. Yeah. That's that's a really good example because they they pull you in just like lingerie does. Just like if you think about a woman who's dressed normal and like she's wearing a tank top and the the thing slips down and you see her her bra strap. Automatically, this becomes sexy and sexier and and makes you want to pay attention and and glance. Even if you, you don't act on it or anything, it makes you want to, just like the movie trailers. Yeah. Game of Thrones became the most watched show in the world. And they had snow stars and tons of like nudity in the early seasons. They toned it down once they got people. And when they had investors to appease and they didn't want to go too far and they, they wanted, wanted to lose viewers. Yeah, they wanted to reach more people, but they they used it and it worked. 
Fifty Shades of Grey was the, the top selling book of all time or something because the world is sexually repressed and they will pay out the nose for this. Everyone on the planet sees sexiness as valuable except for like five people or something. But they all claim and pretend that they hate it. It's true. And like to go back to the Fifty Shades, it's a horribly written book. The woman cannot write. However, sexiness wins. It it just it touched a nerve because nobody else was putting that out there. There all the books like I have some books like that before, like the story of O. That's old school fantasy, like not really reality. People are hungry for something yeah. new. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. So the word bimbo is used to describe someone as sexy and dumb but i'm a bimbo and i'm definitely not dumb so why are women either seen as dumb and sexy or smart and ugly yeah it's a good question the answer is really just mental shortcuts mental shortcuts extremism or stereotypes so why are stereotypes created in the first place (laughs) to define people so people know what you're talking about who you're talking about yeah not just people even have stereotypes about vegetables or something yeah yes yes so uh, it's a way to describe things and people yeah stereotypes are a quick mental shortcut to put something in a box and move on with the conversation or life or your thought process or whatever yes right but what happens in life when you take shortcuts cut corners that's not good it can work sometimes but for the most part if you're cutting corners and taking shortcuts especially with other human beings you're doing them a disservice yes so most stereotypes aren't super loving no even if they're based in some reality or they came around for a reason. Mm -hmm. But even though we sort of know stereotypes aren't really super great, we still often use them to get by. So why are stereotypes still perpetuated? Well, what would you rather do? Get into the nuances of a situation in a conversation or throw a label and then move forward with your point? Oh, uh, yeah. Using the label is the fastest way to explain all the things at once. So, like I say bimbo and the audience automatically has an image in their mind so that I can continue with the conversation. So, exactly. Yeah. So it's a shortcut. And shortcuts can be sometimes beneficial, but are usually just cutting corners and trampling people's gardens and stuff. Like they're not ideal. Right. Okay. So remember before when I said if feminine leaning souls lean on their strengths and focus their day on beautification and decor and nesting and nurturing and so on, mm-hmm. they can make a lot of money and a lot of value can come from that. But I also said they'll get a lot of pushback and people would hate on them for it. And it might be awkward at first and society is not so receptive to that kind of thing initially. But what happens if someone invests all their time in that and doesn't invest their time in psychology and philosophy and logic and math and reason and rationality and articulation and debate and these sort of well-spoken topics because they're off investing their time in their, their other strengths and passions? What happens when they ignore all that stuff? What happens to their verbal skills? What happens to their communication? Oh, they, they stop. Like they go backwards. Yeah. What happens to their vocabulary? It also doesn't improve or they, yeah. So how do they end up sounding? Dumb. Yeah. Someone who focuses on all that stuff will end up sounding dumb. Doesn't mean they are dumb. Right. But it means they'll get demolished in most discussions and might not be able to keep up or get their point across. They might want to say that, oh, puppies and kittens are nature's creatures and we all respond to them positively because of their facial features and ratio and nature has designed it that way because babies can't protect themselves. And so it needs to inspire this emotion in us. And so that's why babies are so cute. And it's a a natural, rational, reasonable thing. But when they communicate, it just comes out with, everyone loves babies and kittens, obvi. (laughs) But they're making a good point. But it sounds dumb and they get dismissed and written off as a stereotype simply because they spent time focusing on their thing. And they like to express in a more sense-oriented way. And they don't really have time or focus for reason and rationale and logic and articulate discussion and debate. Well, I don't see them as stupid or dumb and I don't hate on them for their choice of what to focus on. And I'm not mad or holding them to my standard of communication and articulation. It's on me to actually listen to their point and try to see what they're getting at, to see the good intentions behind their communication and use my reason and my logic to suss it out. And you're so good at that. Thank you. Like the first conversation we had, 
or I spent the whole time just crying. And I could barely get out a sentence. I knew what you were saying. Yeah, you did. And and there's times, I think yesterday, the day before, I stumbled over some, I don't remember what I was trying to say to you. And I was like, oh, uh, 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 you, and you like said whatever it was that I was, I was trying to say. And I said, <sighs> thank you. <laughs> yes, because you, you knew, even though I was completely inarticulate in those moments. Yeah, because if I have the vocabulary and the articulation, there's no point using it to make you feel bad or beat you over the head with it or like show you as weak because you spent your day focusing on beauty and stuff. Instead, I could just use my skills to help you get your point across. Yeah. The point is most people are not interested in nuance or subtlety or the details of a situation. They have an agenda and they're looking to get their point across and they're going to take whatever shortcuts gets that done. Even if it means using labels, which are the guns of language, in a poor way or harming others with them, especially if they have self-esteem issues. If they have low self-esteem, what's a great way to feel better about themselves? To see mean things and put other people down. Yeah, and slap a label on them and pigeonhole them into a stereotype and, and automatically see themselves as superior. And now they got a little dopamine hit of self-esteem for the day at the cost of others and the expense of others. So if someone wants to dehumanize beautiful people or paint them as dumb because they communicate differently, they're welcome to do so. But it's not a classy move in my book. So I would love to know what your thoughts, Rise Nation, are on bimbos and other stereotypes that are similar do you do that too because i did before before we met and before i was on my journey of personal development i definitely use that and in fact my mother calls <laughs> sorry mom but <laughs> everyone knows <laughs> my mother calls my uh stepfather's ex-wife <laughs> the bimbo so everyone knows who she's talking about and she's not she's just blonde so yeah okay thank you do you think that people overlook the value of being sexy because they're afraid or ashamed that they like sex or because they're afraid to be judged or is it something else entirely oh it could be countless reasons the reasons people do stuff they have a million reasons that they say they're ashamed they were taught it was bad they had bad experiences as a kid they're afraid of its power of the damage it could do or how it could hurt people, afraid of what others will say or think. But again, back to last week's fear episode, it all just comes down to fear of the unknown. They're unfamiliar with sexiness and what it can do. They're unfamiliar with its value. They're unfamiliar with its upsides. They're unfamiliar with its downsides. They're unfamiliar with how to balance it. They're unfamiliar with how to conduct it or express it or deal with it or handle it when it comes their way. They're just unfamiliar and Anything unfamiliar is scary and something to stay away from and something to avoid and let me stay in my comfort zone because it's easier to stay in my comfort zone than actually learn about this topic. And if I can write it off as, oh, that's slutty or, oh, that's low class or, oh, that's not good, then great. My life becomes simpler. Onwards. I never have to learn about that topic till the day I die. <laughs> They're afraid. People are afraid of the unfamiliar, but I'd rather learn about the topic. I'd rather engage with it and find out if it's for me or to what degree I can benefit from it. I'd rather apply it or leverage it if possible. I'm not afraid of any topic. Why would I be? They're just ideas. They're just ideas floating around the air. I play around with them in my mind, see if I like them, try them on for size. It's called critical thinking. It's pretty basic. But you'll find a lot of fearful people won't engage in critical thinking. They won't play around with ideas or topics. And they, they act as if they got burned the second it's brought up. And I don't blame them. Like, it's not people's fault. It sucks, but it's not their fault. They were born into a society of repression and prudishness. They were born in a society obsessed with function and productivity and efficiency and a society that shuns and dismisses form and aesthetics and sexiness and sensuality. Imagine if everyone was born into a nudist colony. Because they don't have the same hangups. They know some bodies look nice. They know some things are sexy. They're like, that's part of nature. It's all good. Right. They know some things are not as sexy. Right. But they don't have the same shame of covering up and the same hangups around skin and around curves and around genitalia and all this stuff. And I know I talked a lot about examples of sexiness as in lewdness or scantily clad or bearing skin, but it's the same thing for sexy headlines or sexy cars. Imagine if someone 
was born into a colony of people that didn't just educate them to speak with proper grammar and be intellectual and conduct your essays well and make sure you have reasoned everything out. Imagine if they were born into a society where there was all about sensuality and language didn't matter so much and intellect didn't matter so much and they saw the beauty of life and of nurturing and of family and of decor and of beauty and showing off and spectacle and so on and those people were raised on that. You think they're going to have the same hang-ups with getting attention? You think they're going to still struggle to stand out or try to blend in? You think they're going to be afraid of ruffling feathers? No, they were born into a ruffle feather society, a feather ruffling society. Yes. So a lot of the issues that people have is just that they were born into like a cesspool of prudishness and they still have it to this day and they never think critically and no one ever teaches them and no one ever discusses it and they're sleeping on the value of sexiness they don't realize how good it can be to stand out and get attention because they were raised in a society where you're supposed to blend in fit in and get no attention yeah it, this is very true. Even my own mother has said things to me about my makeup. Like uh, she saw a photo of me with this same lipstick and told me that I look better without makeup. She prefers me without makeup. And I said, well, thanks for your opinion. I appreciate it because I don't care. But I was born into that same attitude and that feeling. That's why she talked about her very good friends behind their backs. And I admired them and not her and, and how she dressed, but I loved how they dressed. So it makes total sense. If you're born into a Mormon family, then you're going to think that being in a bikini all day is, is horrible. It's, it's evil. Yeah. But the thing is, it's a wide world out there. And if you settle for the ideas and the beliefs that you were born into, you're shooting yourself in the foot. That's like being at a buffet with all the food in the world, but because you were sat at the far corner, you only eat chicken nuggets for your whole life. That's what people are doing with their ideas. That's what they're doing with their views on sexuality and sensuality. That's what they're doing with their views on life. They are born into an environment, a family, a society, authority, peers, and they they barely scratch the surface of what else is out there. Even people who travel, like, okay, the, I, I saw a different culture. They have different food than us. It's like, no, I'm talking about idea travel, belief travel. Have you seen the world of ideas? Have you broadened your horizons? Have you felt different feelings and seen different attitudes? Or do you just think and feel exactly what everyone else from your neighborhood feels and thinks? Do you just travel and have the exact same responses that they have? Yeah, because you can travel and go to the tourist spots where everyone speaks English and you have McDonald's or you can travel and go to where the locals eat and go to new places and talk to new people and uh, try to speak their language. So, yeah, that that's a really good example. Thank you. And do people do that with their views and ideas, especially on sexiness? Yeah. Until then, enjoy the nuggets. <laughs> I love cheeky nuggies, but I definitely can't eat them for the rest of my life and every day. And this is what attracted me to you, actually, uh, was because I was in this bubble of negativity and this bubble of prudishness and, and things. So meeting you broke that open for me. So if that's something that you like and that you would enjoy, because for me, it was a game changer. I needed that injection of newness and, and different perspective. You give such amazing perspective as you've proven in this in this episode so if you want more of that you should check out our book eyes wide open volume one the link is in the description or if you're interested in talking to the man himself then shoot me an email and i'm happy to talk to you about some coaching one-on-one -on -one with him and it's the world's first self-help coffee table book that's right it is it's beautiful and function it's form and function it is it's beautiful. it's actually form it's form and, and function it is. it's sexy af it looks great on a coffee table and it will blow your mind it is revolutionize your life it is a functional book yes and it does it in 27 pages it is minimal and powerful yes it is that's you like the whole podcast has been about form and function and the book definitely it embodies this. So thank you so much for pointing that out. I appreciate that. Thank you for teaching me this because it's been such a game changer to inject sexiness into my life and my physical appearance and my personal development in my language, the way I think, the way I speak. And I know that you can do that for other people. And I'm so grateful because it made my life better. Thank you so much. I love you deeply. I love you too. Stay sexy. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, so do you have anything that you want to share your final thoughts with our wonderful Yes. I love function and I love form. I love efficiency and I love radiance. I love masculine leaning things and I love feminine leaning things. I love both sides of the yin yang, the Tao symbol. And I'm not going to hide my love of sexiness. I love sexy things in every area of life. I don't want to live in some bland, boring, boxy, concrete jungle of intellect where everyone's focused on function and no one gives a shit about form. I want to live in a world of color and life and vibrance and sensuality and a world where people care about form and put love into it and invest into it. And outside of LA or Amsterdam, I don't meet a whole lot of people who are comfortable with sexiness, but it was never meant to be this way. We're all born into miraculous bodies, human bodies full of value. And one of those values is our sexiness, is our opportunity to refine and polish our aesthetic form. And the same goes for every other area. We can polish the form of our headlines. We can polish the form of our houses. We can polish the form of the food we prepare. Sexiness is valuable. Sleeping on that value will keep you small, stagnant, and limit your growth. Leveraging that value will help you turn up blossom and truly grow. The choice is yours. But most people let society make that choice for them by default instead of listening to their heart. And remember, you can experiment with sexiness without turning into a star overnight. You can experiment with sexiness without sleeping around with thousands of people. You can experiment using baby steps at a pace that suits you. Is it possible that your heart is telling you to experiment with a little more sexiness in your life or work or relationship, only you know. But I truly hope it is because a world with even slightly more sexiness sounds divine to me. And that's why our book and this podcast is called Eyes Wide Open. Keep rising.